This is Driven by Data, the podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Driven by Data, the podcast, season two, powered by our vision group and hosted by me, Kyle Winterbottom. We're delighted to bring you another season of Driven by Data, the podcast, which boasts even more data analytics and AI thought leaders from across the globe. Our aim remains the same to uncover how some of the most prominent leaders within the data analytics community tackle our industry's most trending topics, told in order to share knowledge, ideas, and experience. And just as in season one, to give back to the global data and analytics community. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Welcome to Driven by Data, the podcast, season two. Today, I'm delighted to be rejoined once again by the one and only Caroline Carruthers, uh, CEO of Carruthers and Jackson. So Caroline, thank you very much for joining us once again. Thank you for having me as ever, Kayla. It's always lovely to talk to you. No, always lovely to talk to you. The pleasure's ours. So um, I guess for anyone who's been living under a rock for the last however many years um, and doesn't know who you are, just give us a, a recap, a brief introduction, your background and I guess journey up until this point, if you would. Very potted history. All right. As quick as possible, I promise everybody. <laughs> um, I was one of the early chief data officers. The dinosaur weren't quite roaming the earth, but not far behind. <laughs> Seems like I've been around for ages. Um as a result of that, we decided to, myself and Peter Jackson, wrote the Chief Data Officers Playbook, which was the first book written for Chief Data Officers. Um, we didn't necessarily think we had everything perfect, but we wanted to share our experiences and put something down to start and professionalise what the what we all do. And um, we were just blown away by the response to that. We realised quickly that that was for the people who got the joke, and you all lovely data people out there understood what was in that book. <laughs> but we needed to kind of help all the non-data people understand it. So we wrote Data Driven Business Transformation, which was the kind of book to hand your CFO and go, just can we do this stuff, please, because that helps us. Yeah. And from there, we've created the Chief Data Officers Summer School, which is in its fifth year now. So sorry, Kyle, we keep creating more data leaders for you to go and find <laughs> your yeah. podcast to listen to you. <laughs> uh, and then we also run Carillas and Jackson as a consultancy. So basically, as a consultancy, we help people do the things we talk about in the book. Nice, nice. Give us a bit more detail on that then. So I know obviously you, you focus very much on the, the business and strategy and transformational side of things as opposed to, you know, the other consultancies out there that do very different things. So just talk us through high level on that. Um, so, yeah. So as a consultancy, we very much pitch ourselves as a strategic data partner. So we help organisations understand their data maturity uh, based on the model that we have focused around uh, purpose, people, method and tools very much focused on the people side of it. Really, if technology alone was going to solve the data problem, it would have solved it by now after all the money that we've spent on it. So how do you really kind of understand the purpose and make sure the people are heading in the right direction? Let's try and make the right thing, easy thing for people to do. Uh, we help with strategies. We help implement those strategies, but at that strategic level. So we're the best in the world. There's a lot of people out there doing technical implementations of um that's not us. That's not what you'd get the best from us. We really are in about helping people understand their data, what they really need to do to get the most from it and help bring the whole organisation on that journey with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
what fascinates me, as you said, if if the tech piece alone was going to work, it would have worked a long time ago. Um, but I think, you know, what we see is that there's a lot of businesses out there that can help with data strategy. Um, you probably know I'm very vocal about the differences between some of those organizations or people in general, and it's all down to execution, right? So we can all create these. I say we all can create. I certainly couldn't, but, you know, there's business out there that can create very pretty slide decks that look great. And on, in theory, they probably are great. But I guess in reality, that's a very different skill set and ability to to get that into a real working business and get value from it. So it, this... to be honest, there's, there's so many things. You know, I could wump up a data strategy in half an hour if you really want me to, but it wouldn't mean anything to anybody until you actually yeah. understand the organisation and know what's going to hit the buttons for them. You know, you really are trying to create something that taps into the lifeblood of the organisation and makes it real for them. And it's simple and it's easy to understand that everybody can buy into because everybody in that organisation should be using data in some way, shape or form. So let's mm-hmm. not make it more complicated than it needs to be. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, you touched very briefly there on the summer school, fifth year. Um, talk us through how that's going. And what I'm really interested to understand, obviously, you told me offline, then you have over a thousand applicants and you've got to find a way to whittle that down, which um, I'm sure is a full time job in itself. But where does the whole um, kind of curriculum come from and, and how has that evolved, you know, in terms of keeping pace with the general market? No, it's been so. Yeah, so some schools now it's yeah fifth year. It, I literally describe this as my work baby. It means so much to me. So I'm so passionate about summer school. It's probably the best part of my year. Sorry, everybody else who works with me the rest of the time. I do all love you very much. I promise. Um, but summer school started as a bit of an ethos of a give back to the community. So. Again, when Peter and I started off doing that, there wasn't many of us around there. I mean, you know, we spoke at the time. There's a, a real camaraderie of the chief data officers that were around at the time because we kind of bonded in a sort of shared of there's not enough of us. How do we help? And yeah. summer school was evolved to kind of how do we share those skills? How do we help people understand what's important and quite what a complex and interesting role this can be? So that's where it started. Keeping summer school free to the people who attend is really, really important to me. And it's not just about learning from myself and Peter. It's about creating that community of people so you know that you're not alone. Because there are some times when you're working in this space, it can feel really lonely. Kyle, you know this. Mm-hmm. When you work with people organisations, you may be one of one, two, three data folks in an organisation and it can feel really isolating. So summer school helps give you that community of people to know you're not alone. I promise there are more people out there like that, just like you. Yeah. Um, and we started, the curriculum basically goes through all the stuff from the playbooks, the Chief Data Officer's playbook. It covers the things that you need to know to really hit the ground running. It talks about how you know yourself, how you create data strategies, how you build your team. Um, but it also starts to tackle things like authentic leadership and empathetic um, skills that you need yeah. to understand. So it's not just around that but it is also around covering why governance is important, why risk is important, what do you need to understand about technology and how the role fits. So it's, it's kind of the, how do we create a basic level of awareness for the role? And, mm-hmm. you know, not everybody can be a chief data officer, but there are some brilliant skills that we can help teach people that will help their careers and the organisations they work with. And the big part about being free is that we can connect organisations like global multinationals with really small charities in Thailand. And yeah. we literally do that kind of thing. That's the kind of spread we have on summer school. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, it's a, it's an impressive initiative, and um, yeah, you can always tell when it's gearing up because all of a sudden, then you know, and I know in a few weeks, I think what are we in week four or five now, right? So in another six or seven weeks, so everyone will be flashing their certificates with absolute um, pride, which is uh, <laughs> which is great. So uh, look, really looking forward to jumping into the the kind of meat of today's topic is something that you've been talking about for a while. I've seen you know articles and your LinkedIn blogs and posts and, and whatnot on this uh, on this topic. So you know coffee and cake sessions which sound uh, sound fantastic but data ethics right so this is something that again you know we have these trends that come into our industry right and uh, some some kind of float in as buzzwords and then disappear and others stay mainstay i think ethics and data ethics has been something that it's been kind of bubbling away for a long time um not many people i don't think try to tackle this head on um but keen to get your thoughts on as a starting point, kind of what is data ethics in its kind of, you know, high level concept? Yeah, no, I think it's, it's for me, it's a really fascinating subject. And it's it's one of those areas that the reason that I started talking about it was a bit from a sense of frustration. We have a little bit of a habit in the data world of coming up with terms and confusing living bejesus out of everybody else. I mean, I'm, I'm sure this is just me that's on this hobby horse, Kyle, that nobody else thinks that we come up with words that just make no sense to anybody else. Um, and data ethics was one of those things that I just saw so many people go down rabbit holes with and be make it a mountain out of a molehill when it comes to it. So data ethics itself, I think the first official definition was in about 2016. And it's that long, I'm not even going to pretend that I can remember it verbatim. I think it's about like three or pa- three paragraphs long. And my mind can take about one sentence and that's it. Um, so, so that alone is like, no, I'm not, I can't talk about something that's just that overwhelming to people. Mm. The Open Data Institute came up with what I think is a wonderful definition, but I'm actually going to read it out to make sure I do it because it's, I'm giving credit to them for this one. Um, so it's the branch of ethics that evaluates data practices with the potential to adversely impact on people in society. And I think that's just nice. It's pithy. It can make perfect sense to people. The really important part of that statement for me, though, is it's a branch of ethics which means, come on, people, it's about doing the right thing. It shouldn't be any more than that. If we're data professionals, it's about using our skills to do the right thing. When I first started getting into conversations about this, probably very similar to you, I was kind of sat there thinking, it kind of just sounds like ethics, but in a different domain. You know, it's we've all heard the we've all heard the analogies, right? You know, and the, the sayings. You know, just because you could, uh, you can, doesn't mean you should, and blah blah blah. And it goes to anything in life, right? Just because I could run down the street and overpower an old deer and pinch a purse, I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to, right? Because that's morally wrong. And so I was just kind of sitting there thinking, okay, well, this makes this makes sense. I, I guess. Do you think this is kind of some way driven back to this um, notion of? value i know we on our first podcast we spoke about value a lot and what we kind of meant by that and how we get to that point and i think still many businesses are trying to figure that out many businesses are trying to um you know fix the wrongs or the wrong direction that they traveled in you know by big pure tech players and all of that type of stuff and you know we're still trying to figure out this gray area of value and and who gets allocated value and how do we claim our stake of that value and all this type of stuff. Um, do you think that's kind of blurring the vision in regards to the ethics piece at all? I think it's got a large part to play, uh, but I think the other side that also has an impact it is impact itself because mm-hmm. the scale of what we can do with data has a wide-ranging reach. 
And if we get something wrong that might seem really small, it can have a huge impact on a large part of the population if we're not careful. And when it comes to the whole value side of it, then you can completely see why as people strive to get more and more value for data, in some cases it can feel like the lines around ethics blur a little bit. And we've seen, there's so many examples we could rattle off about where maybe data ethics wasn't the the Mm -hmm. most impressive thing. The more examples that I can find around ethics and where things have gone wrong, if I'm honest, tend to be more in the unintended consequences part of it than they do in the intended consequences part of it. I had this um, wonderful conversation I was having with a company and I would they will remain nameless. I'm not going to do this to them. This <laughs> um, but they have been in the press on and off over the past 10 years for things that have gone wrong. And they literally went, we could count on one hand the malicious intent that's actually caused the problems that we're having. But you've probably got another 100 examples where it was caused because somebody didn't really think through the consequences of what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think when we talk about ethics and the way it has impacts on organisations, we need to be aware of both cases. Is there any, out of interest, is there any um, correlation in your eyes to kind of, you know, bias? Because there's a lot of talk around yeah. bias, right, in our, in our industry and you know, kind of subconscious bias and what that does when you let that loose on, you know, machine learning models, et cetera, et cetera. Is there a part of, is there kind of some connection with bias and unintended bad ethical practice? I think that's a huge, I think um, bias in the data is one of the biggest parts. And that's why I guess I was starting to go down the impact side of things. Mm. Because um, I guess to to jump sideways, sorry, Kelly, you know what I'm like for jumping around with my mind. One of the things when it comes to ethics to recognise, and I think I'm a really big advocate of that, is ethics is a reflection of us as a society. So what we think is the right thing to do at the time. We are deluding ourselves if we think that we've always thought the same way. So our, what we believe is the right thing to do changes, which means that our ethics change as a result of that. And a wonderful example of that that I always give, and it's easy for me to do this because I'm a woman, so I can call this on myself. In the 1970s, you can go back, which is not that far. Yes, I was alive in the 1970s, and you can go cast aspersions. Don't care, I'm that old. But in the 1970s, if you look at some of the advertising that featured women at the time, now we look at that with our you know, fresh eyes and we're horrified by it. You know, there's examples of women with a man's foot on a head. Uh, there's examples of a woman's place was in the kitchen. There's absolutely tons and tons of examples that we look at now and are horrified by. We didn't think that was just acceptable in the 70s. We thought it was funny. Mm-hmm. If our attitudes can change so much in my lifetime on one particular subject, how much do we think that that could change on other topics and other situations? And as a result of that, our ethics have fundamentally changed going forward as well. One thing that I would really want to get the point across is don't assume that ethics is fixed. It's not something you set in stone. It's something that you need to constantly challenge and evaluate yourself on. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. To be honest, I've never, never retrospectively thought about it like that, but you're absolutely you're absolutely right in that instance. Yeah. And I guess that it's really obvious then when you set these you know, ML models or whatever running, right? You know, if they're, they're still still up and running in periods of time later, things things have changed, right? Which is uh, really interesting. I guess sort of get a grasp on the why now, right? Because businesses have been using data or apparently been, <laughs> been using data for uh, for many, many years. 
as you said, I think the first definition was 2016, which you know wasn't too long ago. So why now do you think has it exploded into this big thing? Is it just because we're kind of starting to call it out a bit more and it's become a bit more visible, or is there something bigger than than that? I think to go back to your point about the bias and the data, I think we've got really visible examples of where we weren't aware or weren't thinking about the bias and the data. And now because we've had situations where it really has become visible, um, it's making us think and take stock. So, yeah. you know, some really obvious examples um, that, that, that we've talked about before, Cal, I'm sure we have, is the um, law enforcement system in the US and how judges were using a, a recommendations based on a new computer program on the people in front of them and the sentence that they should give them as a result of it. It wasn't thought through. And what was happening was the bias in the data relating to black people versus white people were regenerating much harsher sentences for the people in front of the judge at the time. Wow. So they weren't, which was horrendous. So because of a bias in the data from 50 years ago, which is well within the time period we would have been collecting data, it was having horrendous consequences, horrible consequences in the here and now because it hadn't been thought of. Mm. Now, ethically, that is something that we should be checking ourselves with all the time. There is nothing wrong with using <clears throat> historical data, but we need to be aware of how our ethics and how our morals and how our societies moved on when we do that. It's not as simple as plug and play. Mm. We have a responsibility to to be looking at it and thinking is that still the reflection and then how do we course correct as a result of it no that makes uh makes perfect sense how, how do how do organizations then go about trying to put something into practice because again as with a lot of things in our industry there's a lot of talk there's a lot of debate it's you know it's great that we're raising awareness about this stuff but actually getting it into some form of okay we're going to put some parameters around this in terms of this is our process or whatever the case may be how, how can businesses start to go about doing that it's i, I love the fact you asked that question because the amount of time i've seen people just debate ethics and I've seen organisations put ethics, data ethics committees together and nothing comes out of it because it's the mm. world's most brilliant talking shop. And as we're doing, I'm sure we could talk for the next four hours on data ethics, Kyle, and yeah. everybody yeah. would be bored with us if they tried to, to listen to the podcast. <laughs> about this. I promise I won't do that to you, everybody. Um, you know, because it's such a interesting, intricate, emotive subject that you can go yeah. round and around so easy on. So what? So if you don't start and put a few statements down on actually how we want to behave as a result of the ethics that we believe is there. This is what we want to do. You need to start and put something down in black and white and you communicate it with the rest of the organisation on this is our standpoint. This is how we want to use data to make sure we're being ethical with it. You need to make sure that you're measuring yourself against it and that the behaviours that are being driven as a result of it are what you intended to happen. Mm. That whole unintended consequences bit. Is that happening? And do you need to course correct? And then that constant, because of the speed at which our society changes its attitude, you need to constantly be going back going, are those statements a reflection of what we genuinely wanted to happen in the first place? So it's this literally iterative circle that needs to be in place. 
start small. My biggest advice that I would give any organization, and when we work with organizations doing this, start small. Perfection is really a disease when it comes to this kind of stuff. So if you sit there and try and solve every single ethical conundrum you could possibly come up with, we'll start and call you Confucius and you'll Confucius and you'll still be doing it in 40 years' time. Whereas if you go, does this statement make sense to us? Does this fit our values? Yes. Well, let's put one in and let's start there and let's build and let's iterate and let's constantly make sure that it's adhering to where we want to. It's too easy to just get lost in the weeds on this one. Mm. And the other part of the process, just to really bring it to life for people. <laughs> the second part of the process is when we talk about the unintended consequences, this happens. It's a bit like when you have a child and you're constantly tell your child, if something goes wrong, just tell me because I can help you fix it. So if you find out something's gone wrong, the real testament how ethical a company is i think is how fast they can deal with something in course correct you can't assume that nothing's ever going to go wrong in fact you should really expect things to go wrong which is what the measurement and which of what the monitoring should be about when it does you fix it you don't just sit there and panic mm. yeah that's really interesting where then i guess next logical question who as part of the wider data analytics ecosystem within an organization where does this all fit like who is and we've seen some high profile businesses come out and start to hire head of data ethics which mm -hmm. is great um but as we all know you know job titles and lack of people and there'll only be a handful of businesses that actually do that and blah 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 um who needs to be responsible for this then and, and how, i guess how when you're speaking to organizations about this stuff you know, what's the advice you give them about? Because I guess it's somewhere a line needs to be drawn in the sand to say, right, well, we need kind of a someone to put the hand up and say, I'll look after this or I will put these policies or frameworks or measurements in place, right? So, uh, you know, you'll never guess what my answer is going to be, but the starting point is going to be is the data leader in the organisation <laughs> should be the catalyst for making it yeah. happen. I know, didn't see that one coming. But they really should be the catalyst for making it happen, but they don't bear the brunt of the responsibility for um, doing everything. You know, data is everybody's responsibility. Everybody's using it. I think the really interesting part, and this ties back to the work we do on strategy and it ties back to the work that we do around data ethics as well. If you tell people, should they know everything in a data strategy or should they fully understand the data ethics in a company? To be honest, probably not. There's 90% of an organisation doesn't know, doesn't care. They just want to get on and do their day job. And to be honest, that's probably what you want them to do. What you want to make sure they do is that they understand enough of the ethical codes of practice for the company and enough of the strategy for the company that they can do their job well in the way that you wanted to do it. So I think there is a responsibility on the data leaders and the data team to make it palatable and right size the message across the whole organisation. So mm. what is, what's in it for them? What does it mean to them? And that's probably all they need to know. It isn't. You don't want people to be prescriptive on, well, I, I know these five statements, so therefore that's it. And if everybody knows the five statements and can recite them, like my old maths teacher used to make me do multiplication tables, <laughs> so I can recite them, does that mean that I can understand multiplication? Probably not. It's easier, better ways, Mrs. Redding, I promise you what there was. Hmm. Um, if doing that kind of thing. So how do you make it real for people in an easily manageable way? That's the trick. That's the real part where you've brought it to life for your organisation. Mm. There's no difference then there, I guess, to the whole concept and, you know, topic that we continually debate around data literacy. 
right? It's the same. It's the same principle of bringing it to life, taking them on the journey, getting to understand what's in it for them and why it's important, and and blah 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 blah. Just thinking out loud, is data ethics potentially a a route that allows the wider data conversation to be heard a little bit more? Because I guess my view on the whole data literacy piece is that a lot of people, you know, and I'm sure everybody in a business, right, they want to do the right thing. They want to do the right thing by their employer, et cetera, et cetera. But someone came to me and said, well, you know, you need to jump through 10 more hoops than you used to, and that's going to make the business 30 million quid. I'd be like, well, great for the business. <laughs> what about me? <laughs> right. Um, so, but I guess ethics, as you said, is a very sensitive subject and nobody would want to feel like, well, what I'm doing here isn't ethical. So I don't know. And this is just me thinking out loud. And this is how I always get myself into trouble, Caroline. So I apologize. But uh, yeah, I don't know whether it's a, a, you know, we can use this as a great way to bring the whole thing to life. I, I think that to wrap that statement, because I think it's really interesting the point you made there, because it wrapped in the data literacy part of it as well. And I think when it comes to, you're absolutely right. I think the vast majority of people go to work because they want to do the right thing. They don't get out of bed thinking, I'm going to be a pain in the arse today. Well, <laughs> Apart from my stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, so if you do that, you kind of want to help to do that right thing and sometimes we put obstacle in people's way or the technology doesn't work or we just make things more complicated than it needs to be but if we go back to doing you know so if they understand why and what they're doing which is the literate part of it why it's important which is the ethical part of it do we necessarily need to be going and we've just taught you data ethics or we've just made you more data literate or do we need to go we've just helped you solve a problem and we've helped mm-hmm. you help yourself solve a problem yeah yeah i sometimes i think you'll have seen me bang on about this an awful lot i think the data community myself included um we are often very guilty of debating semantics internally as a community that people in the business probably don't care about at all right you know it's like the whole data driven versus data informed versus data enabled i know there's subtle differences and nuances to what those statements might mean in terms of the words themselves but you know does a CEO of a, of a big multinational care whether he's data driven or data informed? Probably not, right? Providing he's getting what he wants out of it. And I think this is probably the same thing with literacy, with ethics, with with the whole spiel, right? Which yes, is... exactly. I guarantee it's no CFO there sat there over the dinner table pondering whether it's data informed or data enabled. What this <laughs> what needs to be. It's yeah. never going to happen. It's got yeah. bigger fish to fry. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, where do you see the future of data ethics lying then within kind of organisations? Do you see that there'll be a big play towards getting people in just responsible for this? Or do you envisage that just with, you know, the usual stuff, you know, like the, the CDO role, for example, it's only a handful of businesses that have gone and got got them roles in, right? I, I genuinely think that um, an organisation, you would have to be mad to need somebody who's just tackling data ethics. I mean, I've got to say, if anybody's hiring, that would be a really interesting role just to sit and pontificate over data ethics all day. The quiet <laughs> yeah. um, but I don't think that most cases it's needed. I think we've got this, it, I, I think it ties in, Kyle, to what you said about, you know, with data people, we do tend to overcomplicate things for the sake of it. I, I, again, we have, I've heard people have debates over whether we should use the word data or datum. Nobody out there cares. <laughs> nobody, yeah. I hate to break it to you, but nobody cares. We can have that debate. 
it's not important in the grand scheme of you know whether somebody has a life-saving operation or whether the trains go on time that that debate doesn't help people mm. um but i think so we just need to think about how we stop focusing on making life more complicated for people and actually focus on how do we as a uh, collective wonderful fantastic inventive set of data folks start making life simpler and solving problems mm, yeah absolutely absolutely agree um trying to bring this all back together then where does this sit in regards to kind of regulation compliance legislation and all of that type of stuff because i think if you you know what what a lot of the conversation becomes in this space is that there's a line in the sand right yes. and up until a point legally you're fine right if you cross that line legally you might not be fine but even getting to that line ethically might not be the right thing to do and how far back from that line is that ethical line if that makes sense just give us your steer on all of that oh it makes perfect sense it's actually um some of the interest that i had around this was a debate i had at a conference a little while ago quite a while ago now about well, we, did we have to worry about ethics because we had legislation we had compliance and governance if we're relying solely on regulation, we're way out of our comfort zone. I mean, that should be the last line of defence for when it comes to our ethical behaviour. And exactly like you just said, if it's a line in the sand, that's great. But the tide's coming up to here. And do we want to be plodging the whole time? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so um, when it comes to ethics, just because the law says we can, we need to be checking. The law said that those judges in America could happily sentence people based on what the AI told them. It wasn't the right ethical thing to do, and they should have stopped it quicker. Mm. Yeah, yeah. There's a, obviously a very famous use case with a, uh, a business that will rename, uh, remain nameless, but the, the biggest taxi company in the world, right, around their pricing of, you know, how the pricing changes given a certain situation regarding people's battery on their phone and that price going up and then making a lot of money from people that are potentially vulnerable right um which you just it always amazes me because i just you know the just i look at that and think how how, how do you sleep I, at night yeah and uh, but again that's probably unintentional I, I do wonder to bring us back a little bit to that point of value and ROI because we've banged on about this for so long now and it being such a gray area and difficult to say well you know we we're responsible for bringing x amount of million of pounds dollars whatever it is as a a data team trying to you know uh, prove why we should still exist and why business ne businesses need to give us more money i do wonder whether that's driving sometimes well oh, like if we tweak this all of a sudden, you know, we've just made the business X percent uplift, right? I, I don't know if there's anything in that or not, or whether it's me just being, you know, a cynical sod that I am. But um, <laughs> no, I think there is. But I think it comes that the the line there that I think I would really pick up on is that it's down to measurements and how we objectify, you know, put objectives in for people and organisations. If you put the wrong kind of measurements in place, it will drive the wrong kind of behaviour. So if the data team is solely being focused on the amount of monetary gain that can happen as a result of the data, then that's what they'll focus on. And that's where the ethical conundrums come in place, because you get involved in lots of grey area discussions. Mm. Whereas yeah. if the focus is on true value and not necessarily monetization then there's different ways of measuring value within an organisation. I mean, you know, 
you and a lot of other people on your podcast have had conversations about value and how you value data. Um, you need to make sure that you're actually viewing the value of your data in the right kind of way and that whatever measurements you put in place are actually driving the kind of behaviour that you want to, because all too often measurements drive the wrong kind of behaviour. Mm, yeah, I think that use case there is a perfect example of, right, you know, there's a line in the sand, they're probably legally nowhere near that line, yet it's definitely the wrong thing to do, right? Um, and who know what might have happened or did happen or whatever because of, of that, which is, yeah, sad, sad to think that we have to have these conversations really isn't it and again it's probably un, you know completely unintentional and someone thought oh look i've just you know made my employer <laughs> you know five five million quid <laughs> and they're all really happy about it and everybody goes home yeah. and it's like hang on a second but did you mean to have that but then we've got all sorts of wonderful examples of where people have used data really ethically to drive things i mean there's some fantastic for instance and um, there's some wonderful apps out there that's driving the um renew reuse recycle agenda yeah. so the way that if food's going to be thrown away, how do you share that with your network? How do you share that with people that might need it? You know, there's some wonderful examples of actually, that's nowhere close to legislation. It's nowhere close to compliance. But my God, does it focus on using data to do the right thing and connect people? And at the end of the day, this comes back to the whole, it solves a problem. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so a couple more questions then before we wrap up, Caroline. Where do you think this is going to sit on the agenda of most businesses, given the fact that we are now kind of, you know, full steam ahead towards data-driven status or data-enabled or data-informed for anyone that doesn't agree with what I've just said? <laughs> it's busy out there. Everybody, everybody's jumping on back. Now, this would probably be slightly self-defeating as a consultancy, but I, you know me, I'll always tell the truth. I think it's another bandwagon for people to jump on. Interesting. So I think in the same what makes way, you say that? Well, I think that um, why aren't we just thinking about doing the right thing? Why aren't we focusing on using data to solve problems and doing the right thing and solving business problems and making the world a better place? Why do we need to put a title on it? Mm. And if if we're using the title in the right way, which is have we thought about data ethics or is it a check for ourselves to make sure that we put some statements in place and that we're doing it? fantastic absolutely brilliant if we're doing it because we're trying to justify adding another 10 people to an already overwhelmed data team for an organization that's confused already by the stuff that we're doing then i think that's where it gets into bandwagon territory mm, yeah yeah makes perfect sense do you envisage in this again thinking out loud do you envisage there might be some tech play coming in here around ethical measurement and because again you know a lot of these things spring up and then all of a sudden there's a, a new tech solution that kind of fills that void of you know we don't need to hire people because you know there's a plug and play solution that makes you know absolutely ethical i i i, I love some of the um and you know that i i know pretty much all the data vendors and the software and i love you all again no customs versions here but the amount of conversations i've had where it's like you know business people are being told well if you put my solution in it's just going to solve everything it's not okay. It's yeah. not. There's not one solution out there that you can touch. And it's like, oh, all my problems have just magically been solved. There is yeah. no data fairy people. Um, so I'm absolutely sure, 100 percent, that in the woodwork, somebody is creating a data ethical solution that will be billed as the great saviour for the industry. Mm -hmm. It's common sense. I really say that. And I know common sense is not that common anymore, but it really is common sense. Yeah. Yeah. So to finish up then, 
give us kind of any tips, hints, tricks, do's and don'ts, good practice versus bad practice. Like what, you know, let's say we're talking to the to, to the audience here and saying, right, here's the things you should be thinking about. Here's why it's important. A few things to kind of, you know, get people started on that on that journey. So keep it simple. Don't overcomplicate things. Um, do think about ethics, but more from a, are we really doing the right kind of thing? And are we proud of ourselves at the end of the day on how we do the right thing? If you can honestly answer those kind of questions, then you're heading in the right kind of direction. Make it simple, make it consistent, make it easily digestible and make it right size for your organisation. Hmm. Interesting. I'm going to dig in a little bit deeper on that right size for your organisation, if I if I may. How how would one know what the right size might look like? The easiest way of doing that is to start small and grow to a point okay. that feels comfortable. So when people start screaming, you might have gone too far. <laughs> yeah perfect perfect well uh caroline as always an absolute pleasure to uh to have you on the show um it's been great to have you back you are uh the only the second ever returning guest on this podcast today so there you go we'll send you a yeah, sticker in the in the post or something like that um better than a blue peter badge yeah <laughs> but look uh pleasure to speak to you as always and uh, yeah we look forward to seeing how this uh, data ethics journey unfolds um and yeah the role that you're going to play in that that's it for this episode of driven by data the podcast i hope you enjoyed it i'll be back next week speaking with another thought leader from the world of data and analytics until then Please follow Orbition Group on social media if you've not already done so, where you'll be able to subscribe and therefore be made aware of the podcasts as they arrive. And please share, like and leave reviews so that more people from our industry get to hear and benefit from these too. If you've got any questions or you want to suggest ideas for topics or potential guests, then please feel free to reach out to me. Thanks for listening and I'll be back next week. Thank you.